and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, welcome to our program today, Hunty. G'day mate. Welcome to COVID Central. Oh, that's me, that's me for sure. The last two weeks. Great listeners, glad you've joined us. We've but had, yeah, we, Lloyd and I have not been well. <laughs> we've been struggling through COVID and um, due to our great fitness, we <laughs> have struggled more than most and it's been a real battle, hasn't it? It Hunter? sure has. And today, we're both not positive, but we're both still feeling pretty sick. That's it. But we're glad we're here. We are. alive and it yes. could have been much worse. It has been much worse for a lot of people, hasn't it? It has. So praise the Lord, we're... We're uh, glad to be here, and we're glad you're here. Are you, I want to do something different today, Hunty. Uh-oh. That always worries a me. New, a new little segment you don't know about. Uh-oh. I've snuck this past the producer. Uh, it's called This Day in History. Okay. Do you like that? I like that. So do you know what the date is today? Uh, 7th of June. 7th of June. So on the 7th of June in 1099, it's a long time ago. 1099, wow. The first Crusaders arrived in Jerusalem. And did you know that from 1099, they were there fighting the Muslims until 1492? Suddenly, so 500 years. That's a long time. Goodness me. In 1655, the Great Plague of London began. You heard of that? I have. You know how many people died in that? How many? 100,000 from the plague. Just from rats, eh? In 1862, Britain and the United States, I found this interesting, voted to suppress the slave trade. Now, you might not know this, Hunty, yep. but when they made that vote, when they, in both parliaments, uh, in the US uh, and in Britain, when they voted the politicians through to end the slave trade, there were 20,000 slaves in Britain. How many do you reckon were in the United States? Oh, no idea. 60,000. Goodness, mate. Truly, parts of the American economy were built on the back of That's slaves. That's disgraceful, isn't it? Yeah, what about this one? This is a big one. I'm going to look at this. I found this very interesting. Yep. And I'm going to look at this not too soon, in the not-too-distant future here on this show. In 1929, the Vatican City became an independent state with the Lateran Treaty on this day. Wow. Yeah, June 7, 1929. Interesting. Another one, 1942, June 7, the Battle of Midway was won by the US against the Japanese in World War II, where the Americans sank two Japanese aircraft carriers and ten warships, Japanese warships. Do you know the Battle of Midway probably saved Australia from Japanese invasion? Thank goodness. So that's a big day for Australia. In 1953, I got this one for you, Hunter. Yeah. The first colour broadcast on television, 1953. In the US, I guess. It was in Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's, nine, that's before you were even born. It was. You, you didn't know that, did you? I didn't. I thought it would have been mid-60s. Yeah, no, 1953. In 1965, what about... I put a couple of these in here for you, Hunter. Yep. In 1965, June 7, Sony introduced something. What was it? Sony. Oh, Sony. Oh, 19... video cassette recorder. That's right. Videotape. Yeah, yeah. Now, I had, now, listeners, I had not hey. told Auntie that one. Hey. And this one, just, just to confuse us all, and this one just leaves me absolutely, total, totally baffled. I love you, uh, our viewers, the Kiwi viewers. We love you, don't we, Auntie? Well, Lloyd does. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> no, I, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> Auckland, I don't believe this. In 2021, I lived in Auckland. I grew up in Auckland, then I went back there to work there. You're going to have to put up a bit of coughing from us, aren't we, Auntie? That's it. In 2021, June 7, last year, Auckland was named the most liv- livable city in the world. Oh, come on, who voted on that? I don't know. People from Christchurch? <laughs> it must have been. <laughs> so June 7 was a big day. Yes. And it's a big day for us. Yes. Because we're back. 
We're well. <laughs> Can I say that, Hunty? <laughs> we're live and we're glad to be sharing Jesus with you. We've got a good program today, Hunty. We have a great couple program, of, yes. Of guests. We've got one of our favourites, which is uh, Harold Harker. He's got another amazing uh, historic story for us. He's going to be talking, actually, about a countess. And? One I'd, I'd never heard of this girl either. Really? She has an amazing story, a countess out of England. Yep. And we have one of the big bosses of Faith FM again, yep. Robbie. Yeah, he promised he'd come back, and he had to work hard to do it. But we're glad to have Robbie back in just a few moments. Yeah, we are. Yeah, so, um, and, and most importantly, we're glad to have you here. And we'll just pray today that as we... Open this program, we begin to look at the Bible that you you will see just a touch of Jesus. Hunty. Hey, before we move on, can I just put a plug in for Ask the Aussie Pastor? Yeah. Alrighty. If you would like to send your questions for today's episode of Ask the Aussie Pastor, you can text them to us or you can email them to us. And we'd love to hear from you. You can text them to us on 0488-880-851 or you can email them to us on info at aussiepastor.com. Is there room for some questions yes, today? Yes, we would love some more questions today. Okay, let's yes. start for prayer. Let's. Father in heaven, we come before you today. It's true, Hunty and me, we're not feeling too good. Nor a lot of our listeners as this country is racked with uh, COVID. We are struggling, but Lord, we just pray that as we uh, open the Bible and we study about you today that above all else, people will see you in all your beauty and will be able to just get a touch of the joy that comes from having you in their hearts. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This song, Hunty, I've Been Dreaming of a City, is another one of our Adventist groups from out of Africa. Nice. You know what I notice? What's that? There's a lot of really good Adventist music coming out of Africa. Yes. Our people in our church. Yes. They really know how to sing. In they know how to sing and they've got rhythm. They have. Well, something you don't have, actually. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and as much, but you know what? The funny thing is, as much rhythm as you've got, it's three to four times more than what I've got. <laughs> we both recognise that. Hunty's got a little bit of music in him. I've got nothing. Um, but, but this is a good song. I've been dreaming of a city. It's from a Seventh day Adventist group in Africa called Sweet Symphony. I've been dreaming of a city far beyond the sky when the suffering's over get my wings and fly when Jesus says it's over oh what joy that will be when it's no more dreaming, I'll be home at last. I've been dreaming of a city, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I've been dreaming of a city, Jerusalem, my home right up in the sky Oh Sometimes I lose direction Satan clouds my mind But Jesus stands to remind me That I'm passing through Instead of 
look to the day When it's no more dreaming I'll be home at last I've been dreaming of a city Jerusalem Jerusalem, Jerusalem I've been dreaming of a city Jerusalem My home right up in the sky I've been dreaming of a city Jerusalem Jerusalem, Jerusalem I've been dreaming of a city to Jerusalem, my home right up in the sky. All of my troubles, troubles will be over this journey. A little while, a little while to go. In the sky, yeah. In the sky. that song hunty yes straight out of africa good stuff straight out of the adventist church in that country Mm -hmm. and the more i go looking at songs over there the more beautiful the music i see coming out of that place very talented i i know because i have a number of africans in my own church there's this idea that all africans can sing and it's not true (laughs) it's pretty close to true i can tell you what (laughs) a lot more of them can can uh sing than you and me that's right for sure yep and that was a beautiful song. We're actually talking about heaven. Hey, uh, Rob, are you there? I am here. Can you hey, hear me all right? I Excellent. can hear you really well. Thanks for making the effort to come on the program today. Um, it was a bit of a mission, not to tell you that. You, I was in Sydney yesterday. I got to Brisbane this morning, and I've just driven four hours to get to the Faith Experiment uh, studio in central Queensland. Wow. <laughs> so where are you? I'm uh, about an hour from Bundaberg. Wow, your I, I I don't want to say this on radio, but is is your wife happy with you? Or uh, she's happy. I'm home now. I but was you, here but about you're three not minutes home. Before you, I jumped in the studio. <laughs> you're not home, man. You're, you're are you going to be home tonight? I'm home now. Yep. Do you live up there near Bundy? I am. I am. I thought you were in Brisbane. I was. 
So all over the place. When did you move up there to Bundaberg <laughs> or, or just south of Bundy? Where, tell us exactly where you're not, not your street number, not, obviously. Not exactly. Yeah, but, you know, but, there are, but what, there what's are the, crazy what, people out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of fans. We know that. Um, uh, but where are you actually living? What town or city? Um, let's just say we're about 45 minutes south of Bundaberg. We'll put I, it there, I put lived there. in Bundy for a fair while. Did you? Yeah, I did my trade, a building trade up there. Oh, really? It's, you're actually living in one of the more beautiful weather places in Australia. It's pretty good. I was in Brisbane this morning. It was about 8, and I got up here, and it's 21. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful up there. Um, so I've been here been about six months to answer your question. Okay, I thought you were in Brisbane. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's I was in Brisbane before, yeah. last year. <laughs> are before you, are you from up that way? Up that way, or...? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I've lived all over Queensland growing up. My parents moved around a lot. And okay. um, Brisbane's kind of where I spent most of my time. That's home. But I spent a few years in this part of this part of Queensland, so I've got connections here. We we wanted to move the Aussie pastor up to Bundy. Yes. Not Bundy, <laughs> Queensland. Queensland. Better be careful, Queensland. Queensland. It wasn't yeah. Bundy, Queensland. But the Lord slammed the door pretty pretty hard shut on us, so that didn't yep, happen. He said, you guys are staying in Sydney for now. <laughs> There's a lot of people in Sydney. I think he said we're staying in Sydney forever. Oh, did he? <laughs> yes. I, I heard now. <laughs> um, we just got this little news section. I thought I might bring you in on it before we, we get into some other stuff. Uh, by the way, you enjoy that stuff coming out of Africa there, mate? That I music? do. I do. I've got a, I've got a few African connections as well. They, they often send me some videos and YouTube and stuff to watch. There's just so many groups coming out of Africa at the moment, isn't there? Well, I find a lot of them on um, Hope Television, uh, Africa. Oh, yeah, yep. It's an Adventist television station that goes around worldwide. Actually, yep. uh, I, I'm not sure about you, but we, we work with Hope. Do you, do you do work with Hope Television? Are you on Hope? Hope TV, yeah. yeah. Hope, the Hope Channel, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Channel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We work yeah. with Hope Channel coming out of Sydney. Yeah, well, well, a lot of these, um, the music I'm using is coming from Hope Channel. Is it Africa Hunty or? Uh, yep. Yeah, 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 Central. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but they they really do sing beautifully. Anyway, let's get into some of these news um, items. Do Do you watch uh, or play golf, Robbie? Um, I have never played golf. I, I actually I tell a lie. I putt putt. Yeah, Hunty's trying to get me to, t- to, to <laughs> switch turn cameras. Yeah, but I'm not going to because I'm looking at you on this camera. But, but he's there. Uh, yeah, it's I know. all right. I I can see you, Lloyd. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. No I'm, support at I'm all. Blaming Hunty for not setting it up properly here. <laughs> I'm wait. I'm waiting for you to say something. There, it's Hunty. set up perfectly. Just turn your head. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yeah. Let's get back to golf. Do you do you watch golf at all, mate? I have seen a golf match in my time. So you don't, you don't play it or watch I it? I can't or? confess. I, I, I'm, yeah, it's not one of those things that really get my attention. How about you, Hunty? I used to own golf sticks. So you play? Yep. Mate, I'm not good at it. But I if, like it. If you can play at the moment, and this is a news, this little news segment we do, uh, Robbie, every week where we look at some of the things happening on the news. Tiger Woods, I think you both probably heard of him. He yep. got offered... One billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a moment. Mm-hmm. He got offered one billion dollars to go and play golf for Greg Norman's consortium, which is backed by the Saudis. Yep. Which is uh, they're, they're taking on the men's PGA. They're trying to make a super league. Yeah, they're trying to kind of get the golf away from this one league that runs it, and they offered Tiger Woods one billion dollars. Now we're, we're a bit short. On money in our ministry. I don't know about you, Robbie, with Faith FM. How are you guys going there? I'll tell you what, I'll play around a golf for a million dollars. 
But isn't it incredible how much money sport generates and how much these men and women are offered to play sport? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? It's unbelievable. One billion dollars for one guy to change from the men's PGA to this new league that Golf Norman, that the Golf Norman, that Greg Norman's uh, put together for the Saudis. I, I just found that unbelievable. Yep. Uh, and then you go to our next news story, Hunty, mm-hmm. where interest rate rises. Do you know how much they went up today, Robbie? No, I haven't heard the news. I knew they were going to go up. They was you know announced. How much? But I they went up? How much? Uh, is it half a percent? They went up half a percent. Yeah, which is a staggering rise. And for those who'd like to know, that's Hunty's phone card. <laughs> it's our next guest. <laughs> and that's after you, Hunty, told me to make sure my phone was on silent. I did. <laughs> which it wasn't. <laughs> oh, that was a good laugh. Um, At least we know it's live. Yeah, it's very that's live. That's right. That's um, right. You, you, does that impact you, Robbie? You got a mortgage, Hunty? I, I have a mortgage. I'm just logging on to Commonwealth Bank now to see how much, if they're going to pass it on. Oh, and, they'll uh, pass it on. Bro. The they average, have a notice here. The average, saying, uh, average Sydney sider with a $750,000 mortgage, it's going to cost them more than $50 a week extra. It's a lot of money. 200 a month. I'm kind of glad I'm well down the road. I, ha- I do have a mortgage but not enough for any of this to make much difference. Mm. But for those out there who are struggling, I'll tell you what gets me. Inflation is running running rampant at f- over 5% at the moment. So that means that the average Aussie out there is paying more than 5% more average for everything that he buys and gets this year than he was last year. So yep. you've got that. Yep. Then on top of that, they're saying, oh, inflation's too high. So how do we fight inflation? Well, your average punter out there is already paying more. What do they do? They go and then put the interest rates up. So it's, it's the average Aussie that seems to suffer every time the economy turns. You ever notice that, Robbie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I bought petrol today. I noticed it again. Yes. yes, me too. <laughs> no matter where you go, you, it's just... I thought I grabbed a bargain today. It was a dollar ninety-seven a litre. <laughs> you did. You but did. For diesel, so I filled up. Yeah, that's very good. Um, but it, it just does wonder... You do wonder where this is going to stop. Yes. Uh, I was reading this week where gas and electricity... What's going to quadruple or more in the next... By the end of July? Is that is that what you heard, Hunty? I, or, at or, least double. What, what did you hear? No, I, I heard it was going to quadruple. That's what I heard too. Yeah, I heard it's going to quadruple and maybe more, which is incredible when you look at the fact that Australia is a energy mm. superpower. Yep, very well. We have oil, we have gas, we have... The best coal in the world. Yeah, we have everything. The most uranium, the most enriched, the most powerful. And yet we're the only one of the few countries in the world that has all these things, and yet we are forced to pay what the open world market is paying for energy prices. Mm, we have the most solar panels on the roofs of houses. We have the most solar electricity in the world. Except in Western Australia. Oh. The Western Australian government uh, some time ago seconded a percentage of the gas to stay in Western Good Australia at a very cheap rate. Nice. Uh, which is, But it, it does make you realise that life is changing and changing fairly quickly. And it's not as stable as we once... Uh, experience, Robbie. It's it's like we've lost that stability, isn't it? You know. Yeah. People I, worried I about that, jobs. I think we said last time I was on the show that you know, the last since two thousand, I think it was two thousand eleven. There hasn't been an interest rate rise. Yeah. And yeah, this this sense of yeah, everything's just it's fine. You know, everything's just it, wages were slowly increasing, the minimum was increasing, interest rates were cutting, like lowering. Yeah. Everyone was getting to the market. Was, things were going great, and now it seems like everything's reversing. Well, I think your generation maybe not has gone through this yet, Robbie, but ours went through 
uh, 15-20% And so these are still yeah. fairly low mm. for us. But I think the difference is that you've got young people out there now with million-dollar mortgages. Mm. Yeah, overcommitted. Yeah, when they were 18% mine was 150000 Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's bad even then, but at least it was a bit more manageable. If you've got a million dollars out, though, and you get a half a percent interest rate rise. By the way, Robbie, has your bank put it up yet? Did you did you find I out? Just, I just read the Commonwealth Bank. I'm not endorsing them by any means. They yep. were just the only ones that loaned me. Yeah. Um, but they're saying that they have recognised that the price has gone up, uh, the rates have gone up, and they are reviewing it as we speak. I'm sure they're reviewing it. I'll tell you what, they're a lot faster <laughs> reviewing it when they're putting it up than when they're putting it down. It takes yes. them about a month and a half to review it when it's coming yeah, down. Right. But if it's going up, you'll know if in, don't, don't hold on too tight. You'll know if in 24 hours, Robbie, where your yeah, interest I'm, rates are going. I think so. In fact, yep. there's a fair chance you'll get the answer today. They rush in for those board meetings, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, they do. Um, and this, this last one of the bad news, I don't know whether you realize this, Hunty, because I know you're a bit of a gunman. Ten mass shootings over the weekend in the United States of America. It, it, it is the numbers are almost unbelievable. It's obscene. Yeah, it's it's obscene. I mean, America should make some quick rule changes immediately. Well, it's that Second Amendment. Well, they could still they could still require the same legislation on guns as they do on cars. At least they'd be registered. At least to a person who's of a proper sound mind. A third party insurance perhaps. They, if they just treat them like a car, they could cut their debts in half Apparently straight away. a lot of the states, you don't even have to lock your guns away. No. Um, and in fact, in a lot of them you can carry. Uh, and, and, and for what it's worth, I, I don't know where you're at, Robbie, but we're actually mm. not anti-gun. No. Neither Hunt nor all. I. No. Um, but having lived in America, both of us, and experienced what's going on over there. It's all pretty scary. Do you know that you're more likely to die in school as a, a primary school child than if you work in the police force in America? From what? Gun death. At school? Yep. More people, more kids have been killed in schools this year than police. Oh, wow. So a, a safer job than being a kid in school now is be a cop on the beat with a gun. I know a lot of the schools over there now have... Um, Armed guards. Yep, and they have. Uh, you got to go through metal detectors to get into the school, yep. and which good. makes sense, really, good. doesn't? Very it? good. You, you'd feel a lot better. I don't know. Well, you got anything to say on the guns, Robbie? You a gunman yeah, or not really? Yeah. Look, I grew up with guns. Uh, living in the country, we we had a couple yep. of twenty twos, a couple of shotguns, even had an elephant gun, uh, an archaic sort of thing. Wow. So I grew up with guns. Um, a lot of respect for them. Obviously, they can. They're they're a tool when you live in the country. Um, I lived in the States as well for a number of years, and it's a very interesting culture, as you guys would have experienced living there too. And look, the challenge that I have knowing Americans and knowing some of the headspaces around the pro and the anti-gun sort of movement, the challenge that I see is it's the same problem we have in Australia. Like, they, they banned all the guns. I mean, most people don't had to turn their guns in. We handed most of our guns back in the 90s after the Port Arthur massacre. But the problem is, is that there's still, there still is gun crime and it's people who are not registered. So you can register all you want, the weapons, you can restrict them all you want, but the bad guys are still going to have them. So I'm, and I'm not saying that's the argument for not having registration regulation around it, but it's a really difficult situation because the bad guys are always going to end up with the weapons illegally. So I guess if you're going to try and reduce the weapons that are available, sure. But you're not going to remove it from the bad guys. I mean, in, I was in Sydney yesterday, 
and there was there was a gun incident in Sydney and the gun wasn't registered. No surprises there. So it's not like it's there's no silver bullet. To, <laughs> I think we've problem, had tendered. The problem is in America, there's 400 million guns out there. Mm. That's the problem. And so, if you've got people that are mentally unbalanced, it's a lot easier to get a gun in the US than it is in Australia. Yep. Auntie and I know that. Yep. We've walked. Depends in. on the state, though, because I know some of the states that I've I've been in, it's it is actually quite difficult to get a weapon. Like you can't just go buy it over the counter and you've got it there, there and then you've got like cool off periods for three days and things like that. You can still, you know. Some some states you can do that. You can literally walk in, buy it, and walk out. It just that's the thing. You got fifty fifty something different state regulations as well to deal with. It's not just one federal sort of approach either. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, so I don't know. It's a mess. But the, at the end John, of the day, no yeah, matter no matter what go. the rules are, kids shouldn't be going to school worrying if they're going to die or not. Yep. Well, John Howe was able to to put a federal imprint on the gun laws in Australia. I don't think that would be possible in the United States of America. The states are too that, strong. The Second Amendment's almost... They almost believe that with a religious fervour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you tried to take the Second Amendment out, I, I don't know what would happen to you. You might have... You could have... You'd have some sort of civil unrest. You'd have that. civil of some level. Yeah, you would. I don't know if it'd be war or not, but it'd be definitely... It'd be, uh, they wouldn't take it lying down, put it that way. No, they would not. Um, all right. Um, and, and one good news story. I thought this was a good news one, Hunty. I'm waiting for it because it's all been down <laughs> so far. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we would... We decided with the news we need to have one good one a, a week. I thought this was a good one. In the Netherlands, they've got pigs on their airports, and the airports keep the uh, the pigs keep the the birds out of the airports. How do you reckon that works? What I didn't know that. You didn't read this, did you? <laughs> okay. Do you, you know how they do but, it, uh, Robin? You tell me they got pigs like on the runway or just in the well, airport? They, they, they are actually in the airport precinct. Okay, uh, living. Now, are they on the runway? I hope not. You, it, and they're chasing the birds away from planes that are taking well, off the runway. Well, that's what yeah. I initially thought until I read the article. What they're actually doing, these pigs, is they, they eat everything, apparently, pigs, and they're getting in and they're eating the paddocks around the airport completely of everything that moves, of everything that's <laughs> alive, leaving the birds nothing to eat. Birds disappear, no birds on the runway, no bird strikes for the planes, everybody's safe. Huh? And there so apparently go. pigs are the answer... To birds in the sky, and I thought that was a good, organic, natural answer to a problem. So that's positive. What nice. do you reckon? Very good. Is that positive? I, I'm just googling you now while you're telling the story, <laughs> yeah. Lloyd. Yeah. And um, apparently, San Francisco's just started doing the same thing because of what they're doing in in Amsterdam. Wow. So can we expect at Brisbane Airport or Sydney? <laughs> <laughs> We've they're got some pretty it, big it razorbacks. Is, it is the solution for bird strikes. That's what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not just that they do chase the birds away, which they do do. It's because they're eating everything that the birds eat and leaving them nothing, and so they just don't hang around airports. That's good news. It is. And it's an easy way to keep the pigs out. Um, but when you look at these things, I mean, most of the stories today are bad. Um, you, you, you look at the money they're spending on sport. I, I think that's worrying. You look at the stress out there in our community with interest rates and uh, the way inflation's going, that's, that's a bit of a worry. And then you look at the mass shootings, not just in America, but the struggle we're having with crime. These are all signs that tell us Jesus is coming soon. I think the thing to do when you, when you spend time in the media and you look at these things is to look up. You're always going to stay positive, Robbie, if you look up. Mm-hmm. Look up, look up to the east because that's where Jesus will come from. You'll 
listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This uh, next song, Hunty, is a ripper. Yeah, probably my dad's favourite. Oh, wow. It's a beautiful old hymn, and uh, we're going to sing it uh, at church. Actually, Hunty, yes. are we going to be at church this week? Uh, we need to make sure we won't be any threat or risk to anyone else at we'll church. We'll be there, bro. Yeah, good. We're, we're no longer poisonous. Good, good, good. We've moved past the the stage where we're going to give it to somebody. We'll That's be good. at church. Hey, if you want to come to church, I'm going to be preaching at New Hope this week. Great. For the first time in a long time. And hey, listeners, you're more than welcome to come to our church this Saturday. In fact, you're welcome to go to any Adventist church Where's on Saturday. For Samuel Place Quakers Hill, behind the Aldi, in the Anglican in Church, North the West Life Sydney. Anglican Church Centre. And if you're not in North West Sydney and you can't come to ours, just Google Seventh-day Adventist Church. Yep. I think we said this before, Robbie, just about in every single town in Australia. Would that be fair to say? Pretty, pretty close to that. Yeah. If you've if you got a suburb, there's probably one there. Yeah, but you're never going to have to go too far. And if you go to an Adventist church on a Saturday morning, I think most programs begin at 9.30. Yep, ours is 10 o'clock. That's because we can't get Hunty out of bed early enough. <laughs> <laughs> he sets up all hey, our gear. Lloyd, we should, should we tell everyone what's happening next month? Yeah, go for it. Well, July 16, I think it is, isn't it? Is yep. that the date we've got yep. planned? Yep. July 16. Um, we're having a bit of a, what do they call it, a shindig at your yeah, place. A bit of a celebration. <laughs> it's it's going to so, be, Robbie will be there. Um, you'll be preaching. Correct? I think Lyle's going to be there too. Lyle will Lyle, be there. From the breakfast show. Um, Hunty will be there. He's one of our. I'm always there. Yeah, he's actually one of our Faith FM superstars. <laughs> um, and we would love you to come, wouldn't we, Robbie? We would. Absolutely. Do you know what you're going to be yeah. preaching on on that day yet, or you'll tell us in the next few weeks? I'll tell you in the next few weeks. Yeah. In fact, but it's going to be going to be a big day. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, when we planned this date, we, 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 we tried last year and then we did. Downs happened. We got COVIDed. And then when we planned this date, we had no idea that we'd be broadcasting in the very area that you're located. That's right. It's incredible, really, isn't it? So any, uh, anyone in Australia is welcome. Come yeah. uh, meet, meet Lyle, meet myself, meet Lloyd, meet Hunty. But especially if you're in um, Sydney. Yeah, we'd love to see what, What's the address again of four? Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, Life Anglican Church Centre, behind the Aldi. And, what uh, time? We have a... 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, we have a... And stay for a vegetarian lunch. Yep. There'll be an afternoon program. Uh, really looking forward to a, a big day, and we'll have a lot more to say about it um, next Sabbath. Uh, next Sabbath. <laughs> next Tuesday. Yeah, next Tuesday. Indeed. I tell you, I've got I've got COVID brain frog. All right, well, coming up next is Burdens, <laughs> a lifted at Calvary. Yeah. <laughs> Shall I get the program moving? Yes. What do you reckon? Thank you, mate. Here it comes.
think that's both yours and my dad's favourite song. Yep. Favourite him? Yep, yeah, my dad loved that song. You know that song, Rob? Yeah, sure do. Sang it a few great, times? Great, great hymn. Yeah. wonder whether we could perhaps begin this little segment, because I want to go back, and one of the, the main reason, really, I've got you on this radio program today is to talk a bit more about Jesus. We were talking about him last time we had you on, and we promised we'd bring you back if we could. What does it actually mean when, when they sing that song? Because I recognise could be a lot of people out there who, who don't really understand what they're singing when they say, burdens are lifted at Calvary. What, what are they actually saying when they sing that song? Can I ask you that question without notice, brother? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, this, is, this is a really good point because a lot of the songs, like when I, because I was, didn't grow up in the Christian church, I yeah. was atheist, I came into the Christian church, and when I started hearing these songs being sung in your average church, I asked exactly that question. Yeah. What on earth do they mean by some of these lyric and this particular song um best way to explain it is is a there's a book called pilgrim's progress yep. by a guy called john bunyan one of the greatest sort of books i've read outside of the bible mm. anyway he describes a sort of like a character called called uh, pilgrim and he sort of travels through this journey on to the to promised land we actually looked and at john the, bunyan a week or so back yeah we did program. we did oh right yeah, yeah it's fantastic i love yeah, that yeah. book um in the story, he describes this, this pilgrim carrying a great burden on his back. And the more he travels through the life, the bigger the burden feels. And there's nothing he can do to free himself of it. And there's this beautiful scene in the book where he comes to the foot of the cross or Calvary. And the burden just loosens and rolls down the hill and it goes into the grave um, of the risen Savior. And so basically the point is, is that the burden that is being lifted at Calvary is the guilt pain it's the shame it's the suffering it's all the things that we've experienced and when we come to calvary representing the cross representing the sacrifice of jesus we give it to him he takes it from us and it's lifted and you leave there lighter than when you first got there and so that's kind of the theme of the song it's about the the celebration of having our our guilt our pain our shame all that stuff just lifted because of what christ did on the cross practically because i'm a practical man you know when I was living in Bundy up near you, I um, I did a, 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 a an apprenticeship to become a builder. And so I've got this practical gene running through my blood. Although Hunty, who works with me, will tell you I'm <laughs> about the most impractical bloke on the planet, aren't I, mate? Oh, you've got some skills. Oh, not, not a lot. <laughs> what skills practically do I have, seriously? Well, I've, other seen, than I've the, seen you out on the farm the, slashing and yeah, but there's nothing running the, running the sitting on farm equipment and stuff. Yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, take some skills. Yeah. Hey, I know people that can't use tractors. Lloyd's yeah, I do. Just oh, okay. On the back for that. Can I tell some millennial jokes? No. We don't want any jokes from you today while you've got COVID. Not one. Um, but I want to be practical. I want to be practical again for our listeners who may be hearing this for the first time. How do I actually go to Calvary and how do I get my burdens lifted? Practical answer, brother. Very simple. I'll give you a Bible text. Yep. I always like to answer these sorts of questions straight out of the Bible yep. because you can't go wrong with that. That's right. There's a Bible text in First John chapter 1, verse 9. And John tells us this, and John was probably the, the closest of all the disciples to Jesus. And so he understands Jesus' his, his method, his approach, and this is yep. what he says. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it's really that simple. You, you present what you, you, you present it by confessing it to God, to Jesus. You say, so you just, talk to him? you just talk to him? Just talk to him. Yep. Why we're we talking to each other. 
And you just um, I, do you go through could, when you first came to Christ? Then did you go through your sins? Did you even know what your sins were? Um, I put it this way: listen to the faith experiment, the podcast that I've done, uh, episode one through to sixteen, and you'll hear the full story. How, 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 do, they, story. how do they get? How do, people, how do our listeners get there? I just go on the Faith FM app or website yep. and uh, search for the Faith yep. Experiment on podcast. You'll, you'll get my full story of how I how I became a Christian, my yep. whole journey from yep. atheist to Christian. But the short answer is this: um, when at the more I spent time learning the life and teachings of Jesus, like I was reading this stuff. Yep. Um, this is all post September 11. There was a Muslim um, Christian sort of war taking place with this war on terror sort of thing. Yeah. And I want to know what these people believe, so I sort of study world religions. I landed in Christianity. And the more I studied the life and teachings of Jesus, the more I started seeing the great gulf between what I was and what he was. And it just started like, wow, this is, this is, this is wrong. This is against everything that God is. And so I guess it wasn't an all in one sort of event. It was sort of a process of things. And even today, I mean, it's still a journey. I, th- I think start. that's for most of us, to be honest. You yeah, do get these yeah. guys will have these spectacular conversions to Jesus Christ, but probably for most of us, it's a bit of a journey, isn't it? Yeah. Well, even for those who have spectacular, people sometimes say mine was a spectacular, instantaneous sort of thing. But the reality is, is it's still uh, it's ongoing. You, um, What you know today is not what you knew yesterday. And yeah. So I, yeah, look, uh, you go, I go, th- I went through a period where I st- sort of, whatever came to mind at that particular moment, I sort of went, you know, I'm really sorry that I screwed up here and here and here and here and here. Yep. And then, uh, forgot everything else I did before then. And then a couple of weeks, months go by, something else comes out and, and triggers that from scripture. And oh, yeah, I did that too. So it's a progressive thing. But the promise here is this is the way I love this promise. Jesus is saying this if you ask me, um, to take that burden from you, to confess that, that yep. guilt or yep. whatever it is, I'm faithful. I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to cleanse you. And that's that's the burden being lifted. And you'll leave there lighter once you get off your knees, so to speak. Two things there. The thing I noticed was how quickly a feeling, a sense, a deep and abiding sense of peace swept over me when I did go to Jesus and I confessed my sins. And it came pretty quick. I don't know about you, Mate. Yeah, but for yep. me it came. It was a peace like I cannot describe to this day. In fact, when I fall and wander a bit, which we can do as humans, through the years, I've I've had my falls and wandered a little bit from and had to come back. The thing that causes me the most pain is losing that sense of the presence of Jesus in your life. That thing yeah. that completes you, you know, that searches over the peace that just swamps your soul is so beautiful. You know, and it's it's that it's that it's 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 the experience of having Jesus in your heart. It's real. It's it's the Holy Spirit. It's God inside of you, and you're designed for it, aren't you? And it, look, it's it is definitely instant. Like that that what you, that experience you're describing. Yep. Everyone, like I have this I have this great privilege in this role that I have with Faith of Him is I get to talk to listeners who yeah. contact the station and say that what we're airing is changing their lives and tell me how and what sort of stuff. So every day from people all across Australia, and I can say almost unanimously people, when they have those moments you just described, like for yourself where you come to Jesus, you you give it all to him, it's instantly in that moment that they have this overwhelming sense that it's going to be all right, that that something's changed, you've got peace about it. The circumstances may not have changed, but they're approaching it differently. And then it's progressive from there onwards, obviously, but there's always an instant assurance that there's some kind of uh, divine intervention happening in a person's yeah, life. Yeah, so absolutely, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Can you come to the Lord if you're a great sinner? 
because I was a look. To be honest, I wandered far from from the Lord Jesus, and I, I was I I feel like Paul who says that. Um, I, Paul's sorry, chief of all sinners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like Paul, chief of all sinners. Can you come to the Lord and say, "Look, my sins overwhelm me. I just at the moment." As I come to you, this is the first time I've come to you. I just confess everything. Can you can you do it like that initially? Sure. Or do you think it's I mean, better? Look, do you think it's better to singularly talk about your life and go through? How, how do you see that, or is it a bit of both? I think it's whatever. Like this is the great thing, right? There's a there's a scripture in um, in John chapter sixteen where Jesus describes the work of the Comforter or the Holy Spirit. And he says that he will bring things to remembrance. He says that he will um, bring conviction. He will bring discernment. He'll bring all these things to you. And it's he does it in his own time. And you can't sort of say, well, if you haven't done A, B, C, D, E, F, G, then you haven't experienced the true repentance. You haven't experienced the true forgiveness. For some people, it is like they know what the, the particular issue is by description and they'll present that exact description to God, you know, the date, the time, the place, all that sort of stuff. And God deals with that. And I know other people that's like, you know what, I'm just a screw-up, I've messed up, I've done it, I've just, I've just, I don't even know where to start, help me. And, you know, you mentioned Paul before, I already think of Peter. Peter was, you know, very, um, he, was, he was high and he was low, sort of in his journey with Jesus. And then at that moment, remember he was called out to walk on the water. And he's walking on the water, and then he's, starts looking around, he hears the wind, he doubts, and he starts sinking. He didn't have some predefined way to confess his unbelief. He simply called out, save me, Lord, save me. And he did. And so it's as simple as that. I think sometimes as Christians we make it way too complicated to come to Jesus. Yeah, it's so true. Sometimes all you can do is is cry out to the Lord Jesus, save me, save me. Hey, did you notice that when you start to pray that prayer and you, you, you... you come to Jesus. I'm a big believer that as you come to Jesus, get into the Bible. I think that's really important. Um, hand so, in hand, yep. Yeah, so you're kind of praying. You're getting into the Bible, um, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Did you notice how when you come to Jesus, within a day or two, he starts to clean you out? Did, did you notice that in your own life? Yeah. You, you know, the first thing for me, and I got a whole episode about this yep. on my podcast. The first thing for me was music. Mm. Um, mm. I, I, I didn't know. I, I had never studied with a Christian. I had only yep. picked, I bought a Bible and I was reading the Bible myself. And I, w- I went to Revelation. It was a long story, but the Bible was really, really thick. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to read this. Not Christians think. I'm just going to read the end part. What's the, the last chapter? As so I read Revelation, and I read that about 50 times over the space of about six weeks. Yeah. And um, anyway, long story short, I, I, I came to this realization that, hey, there has to be something bigger than me. There's, there must yeah. be a God yeah. accepted that. And um, the, the moment that it sort of became like, okay, I'm a, I'm a believer in God and a believer in this person, Jesus. Yeah. The very first thing that seemed wrong was music. I'd be in the, because I had all sorts of music. You name yeah, it. Yeah, I had yeah. every end of the spectrum. Can't and I put some music on. It sounds like someone I know. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and, but the thing is, is that when I went to press play, all of a sudden, I started hearing things that I was, was I wasn't hearing before. It was like my hearing. You know, changed. you know why? Because your hearing did change. He yes, exactly. He unstops your ears. He takes the scales off your eyes, and you do start to see things because all of a sudden you got the Holy Spirit in you. You pray. You prayed for a conversion. The Holy Spirit came. Now He is actually showing you. Hey, 
I don't want you to listen to that music. How challenging was that? It, it was look, it was it was pretty. Um, it was a big deal, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, if I'm in, I'm all in. And so I went home that night after I got back from work, and I got my wheelie bin, oh, and I went oh, through every oh, CD. And threw every hey, CD out. You and me both, man, <laughs> did the same thing. Are you serious? I did. But but that the first thing God got me on, and I don't even know whether I should say this, but I will, was my girlfriend. Right. Yep. He said, hey, Lloyd, you've got to stop what you're doing with her. Pretty soon after that came the music. It's like he looks at your life and he looks at the most destructive stuff. Not that my, yep. my girl was destructive. She's a good girl. But mm. some of the things we're involved in were destructive. And it's mm. like he gets you and he says, hey, sin is hurting you real big. I'm going to do some, uh, I'm going to show you how to get rid of the stuff that's hurting you the most. Because th- to be honest, I don't know how, how you find it, Robbie, the Lord's still cleansing me of stuff now. Oh, it's, it's going to, as long as we're on this planet, we need to keep going through it. That's why I like the little, the foot washing service that Jesus inst- inst- implemented. It's like cleaning off the dust off the feet from the journey of life, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. Hey, we mentioned the Bible. So yep. we've got a, someone out there listening to the program today and they want to make a decision for Jesus. They know now that they go to him, confess their sins. If you don't know what to do when it comes to that, just cry out, Jesus, save me. He's going to hear you. That's a confession. He'll lead you to deeper understanding of confession uh, and, and how to go through that. The Bible, um, what's your suggestion with someone who wants to follow Jesus when it comes to the Bible? As in, well, where would where would I start? Reading, start? Yeah. start reading? How long should I read for? How often should I read? How, how does that fit in with with in your experience with a walk with Jesus? Because today we're talking about Jesus, and we're talking a little bit about walking with Jesus, especially right. if you've never walked with Him before, or you're coming back. So, from my from my experience, and I've seen this as I've talked to a lot of different people around the world, I've seen similar things. And again, look. I think it's very important before we say anything like that or about this sort of area is that there's no one right way on how how you come to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus leads people from all different backgrounds, all different ways. The end result is always the same. You become a follower of Jesus, but the the description or prescription of how you become one, it varies based on circumstances. Like I've met drug dealers who were high on all sorts of stuff and they hear a voice in their head give it up and they call out to someone and say help me and then the next thing they're opening up a bible and reading it right so does everyone have to become a drug dealer no yeah. but the point is is that god reaches us wherever we are right and so as a person's coming in this journey i think there are uh, there are a couple of ingredients that are important and what step they come in what stage is probably completely up to how god's working with you on your own personal pathway but the ingredients is definitely there's there's the element of what we call prayer, which is really just the conversation with God. Um, and we said before that word confess, and I probably should have qualified what that means. That's a that's a biblical word, confess. Uh, the reality is this means to acknowledge. You're just yeah. acknowledging where you're at in your life and you're asking God to take over. That's what that whole confession thing is about. So one ingredient is the prayer, the talking to God. The second ingredient is listening. And the listening primarily comes through what we call the word, the Bible. So the only way you're going to be able to do that is to spend some time reading it. And when this is something that I didn't get, and I'm sure most people don't get when they first sort of start on this Christian journey, is that this book is its not just a static document that you kind of think of when you think of a book, like it's, it's written now, it's printed, it's there, you read it, you're done. It's sort of a dynamic living document. Hebrews 4 I says can, that, mate. 
Sorry? Hebrews 4 says that. The word of yeah, God yeah, is, is, exactly. is living sharper than a two-edged sword, which penetrates into the deepest parts of the soul. Like what I mean by that from my experience and from others that I know is that when you pick up the book, you can read something today and put it down. And it may not mean anything to you or may have zero impact on your life today. But you can pick up the exact same passage in like a week or six months mm-hmm. or two years or ten years from now, and it will completely revolutionize your thinking, your approach, your life. It's like, and you can read something, get something out of it, and then in a six months from now, you read it the same passages again, and it gives you a different perspective. It's it's the weirdest book I've ever read in my life because it's constantly like developing and evolving you in your journey with God. You know why so that is? Like, don't, you know why that is, don't you? Tell me. Because when you open the Bible, the Holy Spirit descends into your mind and into your right. heart with great power, and that is how God. Well, I always tell people 99.999% of God's speaking to me come through the Bible. Now, he, yeah, speaks, absolutely. he speaks to me in other ways, but yep. every day the Lord speaks to me through the Bible. And you are dead right. You can be in one passage and it says one thing one time. You can go back there in six months and it'll say another thing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's using it to talk to you. God is talking to you through the Bible. Christians wonder why they struggle when they stop reading the Bible. It's because they stop hearing God's voice. You imagine, Robbie, how long is your wife? Now, I know she she has to put up with you away a little bit, <laughs> but she's not going to go too long. When you're away, do you ring her? Do you call her? Do you text her? FaceTime, mate. Yeah. We're, we're my, my, my wife's, well, I'm not even a millennial man, and my wife's <laughs> in Indonesia, and I've spoken to her three times today. Why? You're a good husband. Good oh, husband. That's her ringing me to tell you the truth with jobs that I need to be doing. No, not really. The bottom line is it's communication. Yeah. We're talking to each and other. It's two-way communication. And that's what the Bible is. It's God talking to you. You talk about how do you get convicted and, you know, you said, oh, uh, God comes back to me and tells me stuff in times in the future. How do you get convicted on your sins if you don't know what they are? Well, you go to the Bible. Let me tell you, Robbie, it'll tell you and it'll tell you real fast what it is. Yeah. God will tell you real fast what it is in your life he doesn't want. The question get, it comes down then, am I going to listen to and obey God's voice? So you, in the you Bible. So you ask the question of what, what to read, right? So yeah. my my recommendation would be this, and it's just my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you have no background whatsoever to Jesus, the teachings, and you just want to explore it, I would recommend picking up the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. So the Gospel of Mark is a, is a little book in the New Testament, second book in the New Testament. And the reason I recommend that one is because it was the first one written. Um, of all the New Testament books, it was the first one written about Jesus, his life and teachings, and it happens to be the shortest but it's the most power-packed, punching sort of book mm. you can possibly read. And if you read that, it's only 16 short chapters, and you will get a, a really quick overview to the life and teachings of Jesus, and you'll see Jesus. This is, how, this is how Mark starts. He says, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So in that book, you're going to see that picture that he's the Son of God, and he's got this good news, which we call the gospel. So if you want any, a good introduction, Gospel of Mark, that's where I would suggest. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while and you sort of wandered away and you're wanting to sort of come back a little bit, um, or a lot, come back a lot, whatever the case may be, I'd recommend the Gospel of John. Um, the reason I like John um, in those instances, it's a, it's a much longer gospel, but it's also the last book ever written in the Old Testament, uh, sorry, in the New Testament. 
Um, it, it's people think Revelation's the last book. Revelation was written just before John. John wrote John. John wrote both of them, but he finished with the Gospel of John, and it's the most complete picture in describing Jesus as the Son of God. Mm. And uh, it's a beautiful book. But you know, all the books are fantastic. But if you wanted a place to start, if you're starting your journey from scratch, I'd go with Mark. If you're sort of wanting to come back and rediscover Jesus and what he means to you in in his divinity and his 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 role as a savior, read the Gospel of John. I can, but look at. At the end of the day, read anything. I I concur with that. Actually, when I came back, guess where the Lord led me? Where? Isaiah. Oh, wow. And I'm in Isaiah 1, and it's talking about something, because I had known the Lord and I wandered away. Yep. And it's talking about how, in Isaiah 1, he's talking about how when you're living apart from Jesus, you've got wounds and bruises. And, and I'm reading and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is this is me, you know. And it was very powerful because the book of Isaiah is, is, they call it the Old Testament book about Jesus. And it, it's, Yes, exactly. It, yeah, it's a very powerful book on uh, repentance, confession, Coming back to Lord, the Lord, but I like what you're saying. I, I would I, I would recommend one of the Gospels, Mark or John or Matthew uh, or Luke, but but at least one of the Gospels because you're going straight to Jesus yep. and his story, life and teachings of Jesus. Yeah, most I think that's stuff. the most powerful thing you could do. Hey, one more question on this, and then uh, we'll have a song. And if I can get you just to stay around, ask the Aussie pastor because there's one really hard question in that one. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I think you have to go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, church. Does that yep. have much to do with your walk with Jesus? We've touched on this before, but I want to just yep. revisit that for a minute or two because you've talked about Bible study, you've talked about prayer. When I talk about church, I'm talking about meeting together with other believers. Is that important or isn't it? The reason I ask that is because a lot of people I'm working with today say, I want to follow Jesus, I've got Jesus, I'm born again, I've invited the whole, and we might get you back in the not-too-distant future to, to talk about being born again too, Robbie. Because I think that's a really important subject, but we don't have time for it today. But they say, but I don't really feel a need to go to church. I, I'm not about church. Uh, for me, it's about Jesus and me. Um, just talk about that for a moment or two. So the interesting thing with being a follower of Jesus is that you don't follow Jesus in isolation. You always, every picture from beginning to the end, when you're a follower of Jesus, you are a follower in community. And so, like, I'll just I'll just give you one text real quick. In yep. first, uh, Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse fourteen, mm. this is how Paul ends his epistle mm. to the church at Corinth. He says, "The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all." Mm. Uh, this idea of fellowship, communion, being in this 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 group of community, it goes one and one and one. Like when Jesus came, he calls us brothers. And his sisters, we're a part of the family of God. It's all about family. And so church is sort of the best we have of having that community in the physical, you know, here and now, in our suburbs, in our towns, our cities and things. So is, is, is attending a church important? I would say yes, it is. And not from the point of view of, well, you have to go there and give your money and support your church. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about church. I'm talking about the fellowship um, the encouragement that you get from one another, the support you get from one another. It's it's much easier to face trials together mm. as a community than mm. as individuals. It's easier to accomplish missions and to do things for Jesus in the community together than it is to do individually. 
So, yeah, look, church is very, very important for the believer of Jesus. I mean, Jesus created a church around him immediately when he started ministry, and he had it right through to the end. And then he established it to have a function for the rest of time until he returns. So, absolutely, those three ingredients, prayer, scripture, and community, very important. I think it's Hebrews 10.25, don't give up meeting together. Yeah. Some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day or the second coming or the return of the Lord. You know, I, I remember when I was in Africa, and it's an old it's an old uh, story, really, that I've heard others use, but I saw it for myself where you'd see lions hunting. And what they do is they cut one of the animals out of the herd. I saw them do this with uh, Springbok. They, oh, yeah. They cut one of the weaker animals out of the herd, hunted it down, killed it, and ate it. And I think... You can kind of look at the church like that. When you're together, even if you're weak in the faith, you're surrounded by others who are strong in the faith, there's protection in the church, there's encouragement like you said. Um, What do you do, though, if you go to a church and you're not... And last question, what do you do if you go to a church and you're not experiencing that? Because that that's a rea- that is a reality, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes it is. It people, is. Let, let's yeah. be honest. Sometimes yeah, people go to a church and they're not experiencing that. What do you do? My, I've, I've had this question to me a lot of times being a pastor for the n- number of years around the different parts yeah. of the world. And my, my response these days is this, be the change that you want to see happen mm-hmm. in your congregation. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Um, don't, don't be negative because it's very easy to be negative when you're in a group of people. Point out people's weaknesses, their faults and explain why it's not so great. You shouldn't be there. Yeah. First of all, you be the be the positive influence. You be what you, the change you think that the congregation should be. At some point, if that's not working, and you know it's not, you, know, you sort of you're not getting anything in your own sort of walk as well. Yep. The, the great thing is, is that there are a lot of families of God around around the place, yeah. and you can sort of find it. You'll look. I haven't met a person yet that hasn't found a, a community of faith where they can fit in. And you know what? Not only will you find one physically in the area you live, which I believe you will. There's also some pretty good community of faith on faith online that you can go to and join a Bible study group online where you can get great support and help from. Um, yeah, yeah well, we, we live in really amazing times. There's so many different options to connect with people. There are. Well, look, thank you, Robbie. Um, I wanna, no problem. I want you to hang around, if you will. We're going to have this song um, that it's, Hunty's going to introduce. Yes. And it's going to be a nice short introduction. Oh, a short introduction. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> One of my favourite groups, the Heritage Singers. The song is called The Lighthouse. I will save my anecdote till next no, time. No, come on. Give nope. it to- it's a long anecdote. But uh, oh, okay. I will tell you this. This song, The Lighthouse, is what the Heritage Singers closed every live concert they ever did for 50 years. Really? Enjoy this message. Hey, 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 before you do it. Yeah? Including the revi- the reunion they just had, the 50-year... I don't actually remember watching it, but I know Max believed in his heart this is the key message. You know I'm going to... And he sang it every time. And, and what, what's, this, what's the song called? The Lighthouse. Jesus... Is... Is... The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. Yeah, enjoy. <laughs>
Is a lighthouse, hunting. What a ripper. Yeah. Now, you've got a great story around that, and we're going to hear that in the next... We'll play that song again soon. Uh-huh. And cool. I'll, I'll give you half an hour to share the story, because <laughs> it's quite a long one, isn't it? It is. But it's, it's, it is. it's a very inspiring one about how the Heritage Singers started and the place of that song um, yes. in, in, the, in their journey. Hey, Hunty. Ask the Aussie Pastor time. Are you still there? Um, Robbie. Robbie. I believe I am. Yep. Sounds good. This question. I'm not sure if I should be. 
Mate, this first question is smoking hot. Give us some background to it, and then... Well, the, our listener, God bless our listener, uh, came across a very confronting interview, and they sent me a link to it. And I think probably, uh, Pastor, I think I should play it to our listeners now. Can you give a background to it? I or? can. Um, a comedian, very capable, famous comedian in England, Stephen Fry, was being interviewed by one of the top interviewers. It wasn't Parkinson or anything, but it was one of the top interviewers in the UK. And he was asked about God. Don't, don't, let's 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 hear it. Yeah, let's hear it. All right, you ready, Robbie? I can find it. Here we go. I haven't heard this, so I'm I'm eager yep. to hear what. Okay, what to. here it comes. Suppose what Oscar believed in as he died, in spite of your protestations. Suppose it's all true, mm. and you walk up to the pearly gates and you are confronted by God. What will Stephen Fry say to him, her, or it? I will basically. That is the Odyssey. I think I. I'll say, bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you? How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that is not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? That's what I'd say. And you think you're going to get in on that? But I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to get in on his terms. They're wrong. Now, if I died and it was, it was Pluto, Hades, and if it was the 12 Greek gods, then I would have more truck with it because the Greeks were, they didn't pretend not to be human in their appetites and in their capriciousness and in their unreasonableness. They didn't present themselves as being all-seeing, all-wise, all-kind, all-beneficent because the God who created this universe, if it was created by God, is quite clearly a maniac. Utter maniac. Totally selfish. Totally. We have to spend our life on our knees thanking him? What kind of God would do that? Yes, the world is very splendid, but it also has in it insects whose whole life cycle is to burrow into the eyes of children and make them blind. They eat outwards from the eyes. Why? Why did you do that to us? You could easily have made a, a creation in which that didn't exist. It is simply not acceptable. So, you know, atheism is not just about not believing there is a, is not believing there's a God, but on the assumption that there is one, what kind of God is he? It's perfectly apparent that he's monstrous, utterly monstrous, and deserves no respect whatsoever. The moment you banish him, your life becomes simpler, purer, cleaner, more worth living, in my opinion. That sure is the longest answer to that question that I ever got in this entire series. Okay. Mm. Very challenging, Robbie. Yep. Steve Fry, uh, by the way, I, I am aware of this clip. I used this clip actually hunting myself mm. in a sermon a while ago. I did a little bit of checking on it. There is no animal created by God that specifically burrows into the eyes of children. So I'm not sure where he got that from. But I think the general uh, gist of what he was saying, you get, Robbie. Yeah, uh, I used to use very similar arguments. Now, Steve Fry, you know, you know who this guy is, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the top comedians. He's one of the top commentators in Britain, actually. Uh, leads a fairly hedonistic lifestyle and is very anti-Christ, anti-Bible. But he reflects how a lot of people think and what they're saying. So I thought this would be a good one for you to answer because, as you said, you come from that 
sort of background. And it's like, <laughs> well, you smile, but <laughs> I know you're laughing. But it is something you've had to deal with. Yeah, um, look, it's, if, if you had have met me in before 2001, September 2001, yep. um, I would be going, yeah, 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 exactly. That's exactly what I believe. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have gone as far as saying that I, if, like, he was, I didn't believe that there was any God at all. Like, yeah. there's not even a possibility of it, right? So he sort of gave space for that and just said, just throw him away and you're all good. But anyway, look, the, I think listening to that, that's the first time I've heard, heard that particular clip. Um, but the essence is very common. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not anything new from a Christian perspective to hear these sorts of arguments. Basically, I can summarize it this way, which is, if God is so good, then why is the world so bad? That's that's basically the argument. And if God does exist and the world is so bad, then God is, as he said, I think he said... Um, capricious. Or, capricious. Capricious, yeah. yeah like, uh, sadistic, cruel. whatever like, words yeah. he used. Yeah. And the reality is, is that all of that is true, and it would be true, if you had the, if your starting assumption was correct, and his starting assumption, which he's kind of alluded to, is that God created what you see here and now today in our world, as in all the bad, like he pointed out the, the children, as that you hear this all the time, like bone mm, cancer, bone all that cancer. sort of stuff. All this stuff is horrible, horrible stuff. Don't get me wrong. But the assumption that an atheist will use is that God created it or God was involved with it. And that's just not the narrative that God gives. If God does in fact exist and the Bible is in fact his word, which I believe is, that's not the narrative that God actually gives. God actually makes it very clear. And I'll give you a couple of texts um, just that came to mind as I was listening to the clip that support this. So first of all, in the opening chapters of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, God mentions uh, six times or five times that what he created was good. He does. On the sixth day, he says, everything that I finished is very good. Yep. So he looks around and there's not a single thing that he's created. The birds, he, he mentions the insects, right? The insects are probably on day six, probably, mm. depending on what sort of insect, I guess. Mm. Um, every single day that he is looking at, whether it's the stars, the moons, the earth, the waters, the fish, the birds, you name it, he's making the observation that it was good, nothing mm. bad. Mm. On the final day, he creates the final act as humans, and he says, wow, this is very good. And then he rests, and that's where we get uh, the Sabbath from on the seventh day. And that, so that's that's the starting narrative point. So the assumption that God created, and using that word, God created a messed up universe is sadistic, that's based on a wrong um, foundational assumption because it's incorrect. You just haven't studied the Bible correctly to see what God actually said about himself. Mm. Now, that's the starting point. So the, the starting point is that God created a good world, not a bad one. That's the narrative that he gives okay, in his own thank book. Thank you. Yep, moving yeah. on. Yep. So then the second thing you have to address in that sort of what his argument is, is, well, look around you. Don't you see bad things? Hmm. It's not all good and very good like you're saying God says in Genesis chapter 1. And the answer is, yeah, you're right. Look around the world today. It's messed up. I hate um, mosquitoes. I don't like them at all. Hmm. And I don't see them as being good or very good in the narrative story. Um, I don't like bone cancer. I don't like uh, any cancer. Like all the things that we are accustomed to in our life in this world are not good. In mm. fact, they are very not good mm-hmm. to use the opposite analogy. So then the big question then is, so if we've got a, a starting foundation that the Bible claims that everything was good, 
but the reality we live in is not good, then something has changed, right? That's the logical conclusion. Something has changed from good to bad. And that's where the biblical narrative explains. And people like this who are high-profile um, atheistic speakers, and there's a plenty of them. Um, Richard Dawkins is another one. Um, yep. He's sort of in the same league as, as Stephen Fry. These guys are very quick to point out yep. uh, um, the... That's not good. Hang on two seconds, Robbie. Well, the internet recovers. Well, his internet recovers. Yes, well, his internet I think recovers. Our all right. Yeah, we're good. See, that's what happens to you when you live up there in, yeah, in Queensland. Queensland. We know how to play football up there, but our internet's there not really good. Here we go. Here we go. I don't know. Are you back, Robbie? <laughs> no, he's still not back. Uh, let me get him on the phone. Um, well, well, let's talk about state well, of origin well, for just a second. No, no. While, while he's talking about that, I'll just take it further where where he's at. He's Hang actually. On, look, t- I got him. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. Let me bring you in here through the phone. All right, are you there, Robbie? Let's try that. Hello, Robbie. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Yep. Fantastic. Well, I don't know. I, I lost my internet signal. Just dropped. Yeah, that's all right. Oh, well, we got you now. That's keep, great. Keep going, mate. You, you, you're up to yeah. you. You're saying something's changed. Yeah, so the, the logical conclusion is that something's changed from the original beginning point to the reality we live in now, and the biblical narrative gives us that story. It talks about the introduction of what is called the Great Rebellion, or the, yeah. the Great Controversy, or the Cosmic Conflict. There's different ways to describe it. But I'll, I'll just give you one text, because I know we don't have all day for this. So I'll yep. give you one text. Jesus, in his teachings in Matthew chapter 13, he he explains, he gives this parable, and this parables are explaining these spiritual truths. And it's exactly this issue that Stephen Fry is talking about that Jesus actually explained 2,000 years ago. In Matthew 20, uh, 13, verse 24, he talks about that the kingdom of heaven is like a, um, a field where good seed is sown into the field. So you've got, you've got kingdom of heaven, that's positive. You've got a good field. That's positive. You've got good seed going into the good field. That's all positive. But then he says in verse 25 that while he was sleeping, an enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and then yep. went his way. Yep. But when the grain sprouted and produced the crop, so also did the wheat. Mm. And so the servants said, hey, should we pull out the bad uh, as well as the good? And the, and the, the uh, master in the parable says, no, 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 don't do that. In verse 28, and this is the key, this is what I'll leave it with. Mm. It says, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, an enemy has done this. Yeah. So, there it in is. the biblical narrative, all this stuff that Stephen Fry just describes is the result of an enemy interfering with the creative act of God. Mm. And, I mean, we could have, if we had more time, we could unlock and unpack that. But that's basically the premise. So, his, his argument, look, as much as I respect him as in his, in his profession, his argument is based on ignorance to the actual narrative of the book he's trying to claim that he is um, you know, mocking or disproving or disbelieving. I think what you're saying is there was a rebellion. Absolutely. Satan did come into the narrative of this world and all the pain and all the death and all the problems that Stephen Fry was describing are actually the works of Satan. That's, that's what the teachings of Jesus establish. Jesus came to expose him and to show the way out of this world. That's why the Bible says 
I think it's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he came to save it. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So things can be bad in this world. We can go through. And, and by the way, Robbie, what does Jesus say? I will never, Hebrews 13, I think, verse 6, I will never leave you or forsake you. So as we go through these bad things, Jesus says, hey, you're going to go through bad things, but I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I'll go through it with you. And you and me, we're both pastors. We've sat by the bedside of believers dying of terrible diseases and, and maladies, and we have seen Jesus not leaving or forsaking people. True? I've seen people going through those circumstances with a peace, with a happiness, with a joy that defies logic. That's right, because they've got a hope. They know that Absolutely. this place is not the end. Um, I enjoyed having you on again today, Robbie. Maybe mm. in two or three mm. weeks' time we'll come back if you if you don't mind and talk to you again. Um, I've got a couple of pastors I like to use. You're one. We like Hensley. We do. Gungadoo. Yep. Um, but the, yeah, Robbie's a great fit for this program. You yeah. guys you guys uh, spar very nicely. Spar. Spar. Lock horns. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, we're we really, the together. We, do. we enjoy having you on. God bless you up north. Um, get that internet working, mate. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know what's happened, but anyway, next time, guys, thanks very much. Thanks, yeah, mate. See ya. See ya. All righty, question. We've got a few more questions rolled in now for our Silsy Pasta. Let's drop them. I think we should move on. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's have a song. Yes. Um, it is well with my soul, I think, Hunty. Yep. Rooted in Christ music. These guys come out of the United States of America. Again, really beautiful music. These are four young people. They are Ukrainian Americans. Yes. And this song they sing, they're going to sing it in four different languages. English. Yeah, different versions in each language. Yep. Yeah, English yep. first, then Spanish, then... I think uh, it's Russian, Russian, it? yep. and then Ukrainian, and then they finish in English. English. Yeah, it's really beautiful. The reason I chose it is because I think this is what Jesus does, Hunty. He pulls in the times of war and conflict and dissension and trouble and trouble. Jesus pulls people together, and that's what these four young people. All the oldest is seventeen. Wow, that's this is what they're singing about. It is well this with is, my soul. Yeah, this is my mum's favourite song. Also, there, there is a good story backstory to this hymn too, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. Uh, was it Spafford who wrote? Spafford, yes. Her, and his family Horatio were going Spafford. somewhere on a boat. Yep. The boat sunk. Yep. He'd lost everybody. Correct. And he wrote this song, It Is Well With My Soul. Mm. And this is a song, I, I think, you know, in the context of what we were just um, talking, talking about there, you know, the, the terrible trials and challenges that some of you, our listeners, are going through, and we hear you. Yep. This is a big song. Yeah. If you've got Jesus... And you're walking with him, no matter what the devil throws at you, no matter how hard life gets, if you've got Jesus, you can sing this song that this man wrote just after he lost his family, wife and three daughters, I yep. think it was. Yep. With Jesus, it is well with my soul.
Beautiful music. Indeed. Ah, we're getting through this, Hunty. Yes. I'm very grateful to have had Pastor Robbie on with us today. Yep. <laughs> Loaded him down with all the hard, <laughs> all questions. The hard questions like that. <laughs> Let him do all the work. That's it. How are you feeling, mate? I'm looking forward to our next segment. Uh, how are you feeling, though? Um, I've, survived, I've survived these two hours just fine. Okay, no worries at all. Eh? Uh, a few worries. <laughs> I've had the mute button down quite a bit, coffee. <laughs> yeah. Harold, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Lloyd. Excellent. Good. Welcome to the program, my friend. Thank you. It's good to be with you again. How are you feeling? You've got no COVID. You're, you're okay. No, I've had that. That's been and gone. I'm fine. How long did it take you to recover from it? Oh, I was coughing for a couple of weeks, but after that, I'm fine. Were you tired? A little bit. Man, I've been, I've been sleeping 10 hours a day. <laughs> I can't believe it. 10 <laughs> hours a day. Like wow. waking up in the morning, getting to yep. 10 o'clock and then going back to sleep. Yesterday we started work again. It was Wednesday a week ago we got it, wasn't it, Hunty? Yeah, well, I was pretty crooked last Tuesday's program. Yeah, well, yeah, but for me it was Wednesday, Wednesday two weeks ago. Yep. So it's been with us two weeks tomorrow and we started work again yesterday. I got home last night. I was just exhausted. <laughs> um, well, a lot of people are saying that. It's taking that they're fatigued and they just don't have energy. Yeah. That's it. My get up and go was kind of somewhere of get up and slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the, a lady today called the Countess of Huntingdon. Did I get that right? You're right. This is a very interesting lady that I have never heard of. I like it when you find these people that I have never ever heard of we never met her on our trip to england did we no we didn't no maybe when we go there in the next little while if the lord allows this is a story we could do for our television program because it's worthy yeah now her name was selena hastings am i right well she was probably born selena shirley but she married a hastings and so we called her selena hastings or lady huntington or Countess Huntington, all of those. Okay, who were her parents and what did that mean? Well, her parents were of the um, upper class. Her father was Washington Shirley. He was the second earl. That's pretty high up. And her mother was the daughter of another Sir Richard Levin. She was a baronet, so she came from the top group. In Australia, that doesn't mean much because we're a pretty egalitarian society. In right. fact, if you think you're something special here, we'll pull you down real fast. That's our nature. But in England at the time, there certainly were structures and classes in society, and she you're saying she's from the very top. Yeah, well, she was born 1707, and that the upper crust would have been really in the top crust there. Um, okay. Do we know much about her upbringing or not a whole lot? Well, because she came from that, she would have been pampered and, and educated and uh, had all the benefits that you could possibly ask for. So when she's 17, something happens. I'd, yeah. I, I don't want this happening to my 17-year-old daughters, by the way. <laughs> now, I don't have to worry because they're both – got one who's 20 and one who's 24, so they're past right. that now. But, but what happens when she's 17? And she was 17, she got married. And think of the name, she married Theophilus, Theophilus Hastings, but he was the ninth Earl of Huntington. So she married 
right up with her status. So she stayed in her status. She gets married. Was it a – she's 17. Did she fall in love or was this an arranged marriage? It was arranged. In fact, her husband-to-be, her elder half-sister, Lady Elizabeth Hastings, she arranged it. And uh, I guess uh, Selena just went along with it because earls seemed to marry into earl areas. So, so would he have been a lot older than her? I don't know how much older, but he died much before she did, so he could have been older. You get that sense, don't you, that perhaps he was a, <laughs> a, a bit older? Now, she, she, didn't, um, she didn't rest once she was, she was married. Well, before I get to that, was it a happy marriage? It, it seems so. Am I going too far saying that, or we just don't know? I wouldn't think it was terribly. It could have been, but I don't. We don't know the details. Uh, well, they, she, they they procreated. We know that. They she sure did. In the first ten years, she had seven kids. Now, four of them died very young, but having seven kids in your first ten years, it man. Must- must have been a tragic time back then because when you're reading the stories of these people, often they they had um, families that passed, you know, children that passed away before they got too old. Seemed to be sure. the way of things, didn't it? What happened in 1746? And it was a life-shaking event for her. Well, she would have been 39 then yep. and her husband dies uh, and she didn't have good health, but she would have then inherited his place. So she, he died, but she certainly wasn't left penniless. She was, she was a, a very wealthy woman. A very wealthy woman. In fact, I led, read the story of her first of in a book that I've just been given yep. called Gospel Patrons. Ah. People who have really helped the gospel along. And Lady, uh, Haste, Lady um, Huntington is one of those who really devoted all of her wealth to forward the gospel of Jesus well, Christ. Let's get to that. How did the countess, after her husband died, how did the countess decide to support the the work of Christ? Well, she started off. She she heard of the Foundling Hospital uh, that Thomas Coram started, and she gave her support to this hospital that would be for the family foundlings, the kids that were just left. And so she said, let's help these poor kids, and she poured money into that. So she's got a, she's got a soft heart. Oh, yes. She's attracted to Methodism, right, the Methodist yes. movement? Yes, she was there from the time uh, probably 32 years of age. She joined the Methodist Society in London. So did she, did she know the Wesley brothers? Oh, yes. She knew, she knew John Wesley very much. And she even supported him, just as Jesus had women who supported him in his ministry. So she was, she, she was one of Wesley's financial benefactors, that's what you're saying. That's exactly right. And not only Wesley, but also the other person we dealt with, George Whitfield. So what was the relationship between uh, Lady Huntingdon and George Whitfield? George Whitfield, by the way, for our listeners, who was one of the greatest preachers the Protestant Church has ever been blessed with. What was the relationship between them? Uh, Lady Huntington asked him to become her personal chaplain and right through her life she kept supporting preachers, John Wesley, George Whitfield and a lot of other younger men who were starting out in ministry. I'll tell you what, Harold, we could do with uh, Lady Huntington in the Aussie pastor. 
We sure could. We're doing it a bit tough since uh, uh, um, <laughs> COVID hunting. Yes. Always on the edge. Lady Huntington, yeah. where are you? <laughs> um, what inspired her to start her own college? I found that interesting. Well, she started, she was also a little bit more with uh, Whitfield than Wesley because the Calvinistic side to it. And she started... I, I find that actually probably theologically a bit... Yeah. I uh, don't like that as much. No, I don't. I, I would have rather her lean across... There, there are two... Just for our listeners so they know, there are two great theological thoughts in Protestantism. Am I right in saying that? That's right. Calvinism and Armenianism. Armenian. And Wesley was in Armenian. that Kelvin is more, it's already it's cut and dried for you. Wesley, you got your free will. That's well, yeah, that, that's right. One believes in uh, predestination. predestination, that people are predestined either to salvation or otherwise, which is not a biblical concept no. of Calvin's. Probably one of the reasons I'm not that warm to Calvin as a reformer. I know you are, Pastor, but I've struggled with him because of that theological uh, bend he has. Yeah. Wesley... Wonderful. I mean, everybody's born free. You decide yourself whether or not you're going to follow Christ. It is your decision, which is pretty much the Adventist church is Armenian. That would be fair to say, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. Okay, so she was caught up a little bit with Calvin. Let's not hold that against her. She was with Whitfield, who was more a Calvinist preacher. She starts this college. What happens? Well, she heard of these six Methodist students who were expelled from this hall in Oxford. Probably on this issue too. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Could have been. Yeah. But then she says, all right, I've found a minister's training college and she started in Wales and guess who preached the the opening ceremony? I can tell you, George Whitfield. She got one of the greatest preachers in the church ever to preach, to open a college. That would have started with a bang, my friend. And it kept going too. Um, we're going to have to keep moving because we're running out of time here. Um, okay. Originally, she was a member of the Church of England. Is that correct? Yes, but in 1779, she and her chaplains were members of the Church of England, but then she joined the Methodists, and she became a Methodist for the rest of her life. So she was a Methodist but with leanings towards Calvinism. Is that correct? Yeah. That'd be right. So there was room in the Methodist Church for that. Well, she she had her little group in there. Okay, fair. Um, did she have? I found this interesting, and I say, did she? She did have an interest in the American colonies. What did she do for them? And this is very interesting because at the time, Britain and America were pretty much at war. But she has yeah. an interest in the American colonies. Tell us about that. Well, she wanted to support the publication of poets and religious books. She wanted to share the message of Jesus Christ even in the colonies. Okay. So what did she do specifically? Well, she she got these people who were the religious people to publish their books. You can't just publish a book. Did she give those books away or did they sell them or...? She would have paid the publication of it, and I don't know. They gave them out then. Like the leaves of autumn. Yeah, yeah. Um, How old was she when she died? Did she live long? Well, she was 83 when she died. Now, in that day, that's a very old lady. It was. I mean, that's an old lady today, but that was very old back then. 
But let me tell you, when she died, there were 64 chapels or churches and the college all continued that she had started. Wow. It goes to show you don't have to be a preacher to do the work of God. No. She used the gifts that she had, which happened to be finance, money, business, um, to advance the cause of Jesus. Let me tell you, uh, a Catholic, the Cardinal John Henry Newman said, she devoted herself, her means, her time, her thoughts to the cause of Christ. She did not spend money on herself. Yeah, yeah. What a wonderful legacy and what a wonderful testimony. You look at her life, Lady Huntington, rich lady, wealthy lady, did did so much to advance the cause of Protestantism, of, of the Methodist, Calvin, Calvinist messages in, in Britain, um, died an old lady. We look at her legacy, all those colleges and schools. What do you think we can learn from her life as we look back on it today, Harold? God uses the talents he's given to us. Whether you preach like you do, Lloyd, you preach. If you have money, you support the cause of Christ. And I could tell you stories of Tyndale. There was a great supporter of Tyndale with money. If you go to John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, there was a great financial supporter behind him. And God wants people who have money to support his cause. Amen. Amen. Love it. Well, thank you, Harold. Really enjoyed that. Um, a different sort of story for us, really, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Uh, when I read the book, I thought, hey, this is a great story. Yeah, okay. Well, we look forward to, to seeing you again in the next week or so. Thank you for the stories. God bless you. Stay safe. See you, mate. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, here we are, Hunty, toward the end of our program. Yes. And I'm not sure how that timer works. Has, has it got to be zero when we play the last song, or do we start the last song That's zero? That's very interesting. Well, you know what we're going to do? <coughs> While we work that out, we're going to have a beautiful song. No, Hunt. no, no. I, I absolutely know. Those clocks are correct. So when do we finish? Well, we've got five minutes to get through the next segment, and then... We've got another song and two minutes to close. Ah, have we got? Well, let's let's play this song sometimes. Right. Hallelujah by the Imperial. All right, here we go. Sometimes Hallelujah. Sometimes praise the Lord. Sometimes gently sing.
sometimes gently singing our hearts in one accord. The Imperials, I like them. <sighs> Beautiful song. They are. They're really good. Mm. Hey, this week, Hunty. Yes. As I said to our listeners before. For the first time in many weeks, I'm going to be back in my church. Yes. Our church. Our God's church. church. God's church. You hope. I'll invite you if you can. Again, if you live in northwest Sydney, come along. You're not going to be preaching on? What's that? What's my favourite subject? Grace. One word. Grace. Nope. Oh. That's right up there, but nope. Jesus. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so generic. I'm going to be talking about Jesus. I'm going to be, uh, and this is going to be a life-changing Topic, subject, and so if you are in anywhere, Hunty, yep, within driving distance Sydney, of Quakers Hill, it doesn't even have to be Sydney. Anywhere from where I was born, Nara, up to Newcastle and beyond. Yep. If you want to come, come and for the drive. Us, come worship. It starts at ten o'clock. Yep. We start with Bible study, which is fantastic. Yep. Then we move into the the singing and the preaching. Which the worship, which is it's it's good, isn't it? Absolutely. And then you know what we do for lunch? We you, have. If you come, you've got to stay. Yep. We have what? We have combined lunch together. It's a fellowship vegetarian lunch. You don't yes. have to bring a thing. Not a thing. Just bring yourself. Bring yourself. And it. it is delicious. Even Hunty goes out there and gets something to eat. It's always. And delicious. we would love if you're a listener, and you're in this area. Come to our church. We For would love Samuel Place, Quakers Hill. We would love to meet you, wouldn't we, Hunter? Yeah, we'd be in, we're in the Anglican Life Centre, which is behind the Aldi, yep. off Hamilton Road. Easy to find, plenty of parking. What's the what's the address again? For Samuel Place, just off Hamilton Road, behind the Aldi, in the Life Anglican Church Centre. Uh, you'll find us easily, and you will have a beautiful time. You will, guarantee. We'll be there. Yes. Uh, this last song. Mm, great song. I put these songs close together because I realise with COVID, well, COVID's kind of gone, but we're, we're in that afterglow of COVID. Yeah, we do. Uh, I knew we'd need a bit of a break at the end, and this is a beautiful song. Yep. And again, sang by an Adventist church choir out of Asia. This beautiful song. It Love is. Love it. Since, and we sing this at New Hope all the time, too. Since Jesus came into my heart, and we've been talking about Jesus all day today, you let him into your heart? Wow, it's beautiful. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought Since Jesus came into my heart I have cried in my soul for which long I have sought Since Jesus Since Jesus came into my heart 
Jesus coming into our hearts today and how important it is and how it brings you peace. Yep. I just want to pray a prayer now and it'll be about Jesus coming into our hearts. Lord Jesus, we come before you after the program today. Thank you, Hunty and I, on the end of COVID that you got us through. Mm. <sighs> Brain's a bit foggy, but you were with us, Lord, and we're so grateful for yes, that. Lord. Pastor Robbie and... Uh, Pastor Harold. Pastor Robbie were talking about Jesus. And how easy it is to invite him into the heart. And so now, Lord, as we close, I want to give an opportunity for those who are listening to invite Jesus, you our great Lord, into their hearts. It's so simple. Just pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you. Save me. Thank you that it's so simple, Jesus, we pray. And bless those who just prayed that prayer with your presence. Is my prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, Hunty, great program, mate. Who are you? I'm Hunty, and I'm the the tech who sits in the dark. <laughs> Only you're in the light all the time, <laughs> brother. And my name's uh, Lloyd Grollam. I'm the Aussie pastor, and we love you. But Jesus loves you so much more. God bless. See you next next time. time. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv.